Yes, I'm talking about a nonviolent revolution of consciousness. A consciousness that is able to understand how we're all inextricably connected to each other on this earth and to the earth itself. And that if we violate those fundamental principles, we do so at our own peril. Yes, we can continue to live in this delusion and the denials of reality because it's painful. It's frightening. Sometimes it's terrifying. It's terrifying to face the truth. So I ask each of you to search your hearts as to what your truth is for being a citizen of the earth, promoting justice as a foundation for peace. It's not going to happen magically. And I think it's not going to happen by relying on these political structures and institutions. I think we're going to have to wage peace in the most extraordinary ways, whether our government wants it or not. You will know in your heart what to do. But I know that without a nonviolent revolution of consciousness, we will not survive as a civilization or as a planet. We can choose to have peace if we want to pay the price. And what more glorious goal and value do we want than peace for all people? And so I look forward to working together with you all with we the people, to build a new society, a society that understands that we are not worth more and they are not worth less, and that we will be willing to pay the price and take the risks to wage peace with all fellow and sister human beings.
Portion of the sample hour that I, your host at Drew Sample or on Twitter at Drew Sample, do on my own. And today I have a very special guest, somebody who's uh, been an inspiration to me in my personal development and just education, if you will. Um, this this person you may know him from his films, uh, Esoteric Agenda, Chimatica, and Ungrip. Um, he is also uh, the lead singer and music writer in the band hero sonic um you probably do a lot more too ben and i'm not and i'm missing it but without further ado mr ben stewart who you can follow on twitter at ben stewart dolly and so how are you doing today sir awesome my friend it's really good to be on the show thanks man yeah it's uh you're one of the first people i actually talked to when i started the sample hour because uh, we were saying before i remember after watching uh esoteric agenda i I was like trying to track down because I don't even know who you. I remember someone randomly forwarded me your movie. I don't even remember who, and it was on some random website because uh, I think it was just like a Google video. It was like even before YouTube really was YouTube, and uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, and then I I found I kind of tracked you down by purchasing your DVD, and then we 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 exchanged a little bit through email. So yeah, I'm super excited to have you on, but uh. Yeah, just wanted to have you on. Um, so if you if you wouldn't mind, just you know what what initially kind of inspired you to become you know a filmmaker and musician and everything else like that. Well, I mean it's it's kind of just the way that my life has always been led. Uh, I never really planned on being a musician. Um, it was really just one of those things where. My brother started playing guitar and wanted somebody to jam with, so I started playing drums. And then eventually that led to me also learning guitar because, you know, my brother's always been a huge inspiration for me. So I started learning the guitar. Then when I started doing that, I started writing songs. And actually that encouraged me to start writing lyrics. So I began expressing myself through, you know, the written word. And then I started writing quite a bit more. It was a lot of poetry, a lot of screenplays, um, comedy routines, like whatever it was, just anything I could write out just to express myself. And that's kind of how it went for a while. And then eventually I ended up in a band when I was in high school. And uh, we, we got really popular really quickly, and then we fizzled out really quickly. Um, and that was primarily because I just woke up one day and I, I said I wanted to uh, – I want to go into the military, and I have no idea why I wanted to do that. Um, actually, I do. Uh, it was very impulsive. 
And I woke up one day and I was like, I just want to do something different. So I decided to go into the military. I immediately regretted it. But now, you know, it. I went through my six-year enlistment. Everything was great. But uh, I'm really glad that I'm out. And the reason why I decided to get out is because while I was in the military, um, it's not like I saw the worst of the worst out there. But I definitely saw that, you know, I was an individual. I had no idea what I was doing with my life. But this was the first time that I started realizing that I was in a big, big world. We were flying around to, um, you know, different countries jamming their radio and television signals and broadcasting our own message. Uh, this is all called psychological warfare. And I began realizing that I wasn't allowed to know what we were broadcasting, what the message was. And I didn't like the feeling of that. Um, I had to have a special clearance to know even what we were broadcasting. And I just realized, I was like, okay, am I going to put all of my time and my energy um, you know, for the rest of my life into something that I'm not allowed to know what the ultimate cause is. And I just realized, no, that's not what I'm about. So after six years, I finished my enlistment because I, you know, if, if I'm going to commit for six years, I'll finish six years. And I got out and I immediately started speaking about what was going on, but I did it through speaking within a band setting. So I was writing about it. So all of a sudden, I started getting a little bit more outspoken, not really activist, but I was definitely getting a lot more outspoken on the, uh, the some of the main pillars like religion, politics, uh, the economic state of affairs, culture, art, things like that. And then all of a sudden um, – yeah, it was about five years ago. It was – no, it was, it was six years ago because 2007 was when I started working on Esoteric Agenda. Somebody was just asking, what is the message of the band? What's the overall message that you're trying to get across? And as an artist, I decided not to just answer them, but to actually create a piece of art to show a little bit more or less what it is that I'm getting at. So I got into it, uh, started working on this film. It was only supposed to be about 15 minutes long, and then it ended up being two hours long, having nothing to do with the band. And it was called Esoteric Agenda. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to put this up online and see what people think. So I put it up on Google Videos. And um, all of a sudden, I started getting emails out of nowhere. And a lot of them, uh, people saying they loved it, people saying they hate it, people saying they disagree with it. Some people saying, you know, like, I, I love the I love the contention you make here, but I'm not sure about what you do, you know, what you said here and there. So uh, I just decided, I was like, okay, you know, um, I'm getting... I'm getting a lot of feedback, whether positive or negative, but the the fact is people are are listening and they're they're activating themselves, they're initiating themselves and their mind at least enough to critically think about what I was saying, whether I was right or wrong. And um and I noticed that there are some people that says, you know, like I I didn't really agree with what you were getting at, but it really woke it really woke me up to a lot of other things in my life or it really you know, made me feel like I could be doing more with uh, with my own life and with my own art. So that really inspired me. And then I started noticing people were emailing me specifically to say, you know, Ben, say something inspiring. You know, I, I uh, you know, I, I don't know what I'm even here on this planet for. You need to you need to help me out. I'm feeling really suicidal. I'm feeling really this, that and the other. And I realized that um, a lot of people were coming to me to fix their problems. And that was why I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to make a film which turned into Chimatica 
that's all about taking responsibility for your life, recognizing that this isn't something that somebody else is going to do for you. You need to recognize that your life is run by you and the choices that you make, the decisions that you make. So, um, you know, the the overarching theme of the very next film that I came out with, Chimatica, was take a deeper look at who you are and maybe second guess who you think you are because there's a million things that you are and you may be thinking you're only one or two. Yeah, that film and, goes that film goes pretty deep. Uh I've had to watch it like three times to catch everything. Like we're through the beginning and then even your just your interviews with Bruce Lipton, um, who's a f- super fascinating guy. Super awesome guy. Um sorry for interrupting you. I just wanted to chime in there, Ben. <laughs> no, no, man, that's awesome. Um yeah, dude, Bruce Lipton, he was uh he was definitely my favorite part of that film. He added uh how should I say it? He added – I mean it, it's not just because the dude's older and he's a cellular biologist, but he added some type of a dynamic to the film that uh, I, I don't believe I would have achieved on my own. So I was really, really happy to have uh, him be a part of it as well as Henrik Palmgren from uh, Red Ice Creations. Those are the only two interviews that I had in that film. So, to, But uh, specifically to have Bruce Lipton a part of it, I got to fly out to Santa Cruz – and uh, conduct that interview with him at his house. And he was one of the most genuine, amazing people. He brought me into his house, made me dinner, and we sat down, we did the interview, and then afterwards we just kind of hung out for a while. And every time the phone would ring, he would just, you know, mute it. He, uh, I had his undivided attention. And I was like, you know what, this is a really genuine, authentic dude. I like him. So uh, I made sure that he had a, a special spot in this film. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And then uh, I didn't I didn't realize how many people were. It's interesting because I just assumed you were just coming out with another video like when uh, Chimatica came out. So I was like keeping track because what was interesting, too, was you and uh, you and Peter Joseph both. It, it seemed like your your first two videos fell on the same year. Even actually your your third ones did kind of it as well. Like now that I think about it. Yeah. Um, as far as I know. I think each one of my films came out just after his one. So uh, Esoteric Agenda, I believe, came out right after uh, – just a matter of months after the um, – First Zeitgeist? The first Zeitgeist, yeah. And then it, the, I think the second Zeitgeist came out, and then just a few months later, that was when Chimatica came out. And I don't really remember the timeline for um, for moving forward. And Ungrip, but I, I believe Ungrip came out after uh, Zeitgeist moving forward. So yeah, it was kind of a, a unique little um, parallel there. And uh, I noticed that actually Peter Joseph and I have we've met over the past few years because we do the Zeitgeist Media Festival uh, each year, which we're actually doing again next month, uh, August fourth. So, um, but yeah, so we connected on that and it was just very strange. We kind of started the same way. He is a musician and that's kind of what got him his start. And, um, and he just, he never planned on releasing Zeitgeist either. As far as I know, from what I've heard from him, uh, he never planned on really releasing that film. He was just kind of doing live, um, musical things, almost like more theatrical and showing clips in the background and some people were like, you should post this on uh, YouTube or post it on Google videos. And he did. And that went uh, that went very viral very quickly. 
Yeah, it's because uh, I stumbled. I, I literally stumbled on Esoteric Agenda right after Zeitgeist, and both movies just totally like kind of blew me away personally because I was already like I had uh, I'd watched Aaron Russo's From Freedom to Fascism, and I kind of started to kind of shift the way I was looking at things, and then I saw Zeitgeist, and then I saw your movie, and I saw Loose Change, um, which uh, which we can throw in a little plug. Ben Stewart, aren't you doing something with the creator of Loose Change? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny? I, I have to tell this story because it's pretty synchronistic. Um, basically, we have had this California trip, the band, I should say. We, is, as in Hyrosonic, um, we've had this California trip planned for quite some time. We're playing at the Viper Room on July 23rd. And then uh, we're playing the Sunset Strip Music Festival on August 2nd with the, with that's with Hu, uh, who is it Hubas and Lincoln Park, and then two nights later we're playing the Zeitgeist Media Festival. So all of a sudden we started promoting for those shows, and my one friend Alvin Amar from Gorilla Republic connected with me, and he was like, "Hey man, it, it's awesome that you're coming back out here." Uh, I'd love to set up a music video for you. I have a friend Dylan Avery that uh, would like to do your next music video. And I was like, sure, cool. You know, Dylan Avery sounds good. I had no idea who it was. And um, so he he decided to come on to do our music video for next to nothing just because uh, he, he believes in it and he likes the art of it. So I talked to him a few times and then all of a sudden we finally posted a uh, – we're doing a fundraiser on Indiegogo and we just posted a video for that. And all of a sudden, a bunch of people connected with me, and they're like, oh, that's so awesome. I saw your video last night saying you guys were working with the dude from Loose Change. And I had no idea what they were talking about, so I texted them. I was like, what do you mean we're working with the dude from Loose Change? And they're like, Dylan Avery. So I was like, oh, I put two and two together. I guess this is the same guy. So all of a sudden, I give him a call that day, and I was like, you know, hey, man, uh, I'd love to chat more about what we're going to be doing for this music video. And he was like, oh, sure. You know, do you want to wait till I'm back in uh, California or would you like to talk now? And I was like, OK, where are you? And he said, I'm in New Jersey, but uh, I'm going to be in Grantville, Pennsylvania this weekend for because uh, he's filming or doing still shots for a wedding. And Grantville, Pennsylvania is a nowhere place, but it happens to be five minutes from my house. That's awesome. So we're like, you know what? Let's just get together and rap about it on uh, Saturday. So that was this past Saturday. And so we got together, and he had no idea that I, that I had done Esoteric Agenda and Chimatica and Ungrip, which he happened to also be a fan of. So, <laughs> so it was just really strange how it came together. But, um, but yeah. So Dylan Avery, the guy who did Loose Change, um, he also has done a bunch of music videos, and I think he did a film on caffeine or coffee addiction, something like that, which is pretty rad. But, yeah. um, but we're gonna be, I would say the end of this month july we're going to be working on that music video that's awesome how can so people can donate as well um we'll mention it again at the end but uh they can go to actually i'll, I'll make sure i post the link so they can donate on indiegogo um, yeah yeah that would be awesome i mean it is indiegogo i'm trying to think if there's a um if there's a short link uh, no, there really isn't. It's kind of long. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll post it in there, but, uh, everyone look for the link within the, I'll tweet it out as well, Ben. Um, but, uh, oh, you're going to be in Northeast Ohio. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, we Northeast Ohio. That's what it says on your website. Sorry. We were were there not too long ago. Um, We're actually for the fourth. We're actually going to be up in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Uh, So just in a couple days here, Wednesday and Thursday, we're in Green Bay, and then on uh, no, I'm sorry, Thursday and Friday we're in Green Bay, and then on Saturday we're in Chicago at a place called Goose Island, which I guess is a, a, a brewery out there. And then we're back home for a little bit. We do a hometown show. It's going to be a blacklight show. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot of cool kind of occult um, underground themes mixed in with this blacklight theme. So it's going to kind of be like a blacklight drum circle party. Um, and that's that going to sweet. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – the reason why we're doing it there is because that's actually um, – that's a a little bit of a secret uh, insider scoop on what we're doing at the Zeitgeist Media Festival because we're headlining the Zeitgeist Media Festival out in Hollywood on August 4th, and it's going to be a blacklight thing. But there's going to be quite a bit more it's, – it's quite a bit more involved when we're going out to uh, California doing the Zeitgeist one. So – yeah, so we have the hometown show, then we're back in North Carolina, we come home for a few more days, and then we hit the road for uh, Tennessee on this on July 17th, and then the 19th and 20th, we're going to be in Dallas, and then by the 23rd, we're in LA at the Viper Room. That's awesome, man. So, like, with the band, because I remember um, when I first bought, when I bought Chimatica, you sent a CD with it, and it, I think it was just you and Dan. Um, so how did Hero Sonic come about? Um, cause were you guys, or Hyro Sonic, I'm sorry, I'm saying yeah. it wrong. Um, how did, how did you guys, uh, come about? Like, in, now did you guys come together in between Chimatica and Ungrip or had you guys already been together and you just decided to really kind of like go for making music and really put focus on that? No, we, we actually, the band predates, um, all the films. Okay. Um, like as I was saying before, we I was in Hyrosonic uh, actually when I was still in the military, and then I started the lyrics started getting a little bit more into what they are now. I started becoming a little bit more outspoken once the uh, once I got out of the military. So Hyrosonic started around 2003. We actually um, we did the Lollapalooza Music Festival in 2003, and then from there we just started writing and writing and writing. So we kind of went underground for a while, but um, yeah, by the time by the time I would say 2008 rolled around, where uh, 2007, 2008, when Esoteric Agenda came around, we had just started working on an album called Chimatica. And the film was actually what gave us the idea to uh, name the album Chimatica because the message was um, quite the same. You know, there was there was quite a bit outside of the message of the film, but it was quite the same. So once I started doing the films, what I could say is that the music started really it really started taking shape a lot more because the band started understanding a lot more where I was coming from as an artist and so that really helped develop and shape who they were as artists as well. So we we started understanding each other quite a bit more. And then from that point, we put out one more album called Consciousness, Fame, God, Money, Power. And that's the one that we're touring in support of right now. We are working on new music, but this one um, 
this one has the song Infinity that we're going to be going out uh, working with Dylan Avery for with the music video. So, uh, but yeah, yeah. To answer your question, the band has been there for quite a bit longer than the films, and I have to give a lot of credit to the guys in the band and just how they are as artists and how they pushed me as an artist because I really would not have done the films had the band not been there. That's awesome to hear, man. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's just fascinating because just like following you and your art, um, just like, like I said, the past five years, it's cool. It's cool to see that progression. It's cool to see you expressing yourself through films, but also like a lot of the stuff that you are talking about in the films, you can, it's it's easy to see that you are applying those to you. It's not like you're just express saying this stuff in the film and doing something else. Like you're really just showing like kind of how genuine you are, if that makes sense. Well, I appreciate that. I I will be blatantly honest. Um, the films kind of acted as a catalyst for myself too. So they pointed out a lot of ways that I hadn't been very authentic and truthful with myself. So it was very. It was very humbling. These films, you know, I, I was receiving emails, thousands and thousands of emails from people saying, thank you so much for these films. They've changed my life. And that that was great, but they didn't change my life until several years after releasing them. And, you know, obviously I meant everything that I said in these films, but they what what I guess I'm getting at is they really helped me recognize that there were aspects of my life that I was being untruthful with and that I was contradicting myself with um, and ways that I was just basically I wasn't taking my own medicine. I wasn't listening to my own words. So several years later, having gone back and actually, you know, people would send me clips of my own film and just be like, just so you know, this is my favorite part of the film. And I'd be like, okay, I want to know what they're talking about, so I'll sit and watch it. So it was me sit, sitting there watching my own film and thinking, who the hell said that? You know, that wasn't me. I don't remember saying that. So it's, uh, you know, one thing that I've told a lot of people uh, throughout the years is I remember very little about doing the film, about actually producing the film, because pretty much it was me and my brother, but it was 90% me from start to finish just working on the film morning to night, you know, and I mean like eight o'clock in the morning till four o'clock in the morning and then getting four hours of sleep and waking back up, not showering, forgetting to go to the bathroom, forgetting to eat, just sitting there, pasty white, hair all messed up, you know, clammy, sweating, just 101 temperature. I really did have a fever for about six months working on both Esoteric Agenda and Chimatica. And it was just a download and it just turned into a film. And then the fever lifted. I came out of it and I saw that there was a film finished on my computer. And I was thinking, OK, how did this happen? <laughs> because I could hardly even remember doing a lot of it. So um, I, I don't know what that means. I'm not trying to say that, you know, I channeled it from Alpha Centauri or anything like that. But <laughs> but what I do know is that, you know, as artists say that they tapped into the muse or they you know, tapped into the moment and the moment told them what to do. It's like Fish, the jam band Fish, when they talk about improv and they're just improving and people are like, there's no way that was improv. You guys planned that. It was too good for improv. And they're like, no, we really did just spontaneously create that in the moment. And they they had so many people calling, you know, bullshit on them 
for you know like no that's not improv you plan that you we know you did they actually did i'm not sure if it was an interview or if it was a film but uh, i heard a bit of it about them talking about what improv actually is to them and it's tuning into the moment it's like tuning into a certain frequency several radios can tune into the same radio station and listen to the same thing at the same time and that's what they say it's the same principle so for me, when I was making the film, I just feel like the reason why the films did well is because it was the right thing at the right time, right place, right time, right thing to be said. And that's why I have to tip my hat to whatever it was that I tapped into at that moment, because it wasn't me. It wasn't Ben Stewart, the ego that made those films. It was something you know, much more beautiful, and it changed my life. So in a roundabout way of saying, you know, I have to say thank you to however those films came apart, too. That's that's awesome to hear. I also just love um, the way you encourage people to use your films to aid in their own art or their own expression. And I can't tell you how many videos I've seen just like I've seen like different videos that people put on the Internet and they they just take parts of your film and and I, I love the way that you, you don't really have an ego about it. You're not you're not saying, oh, I, I should get credit. You're like, it's it's art. And it, that's what art should be used for. I think you said something along those lines. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, as soon as each of these films came out, I tried to make a big stink about it and say, listen, as soon as these films are online, they're not mine anymore. You know, they belong to everybody. So for one, I've had several people use the film to debunk the film and you know i'll have to say that a lot of people bring up very valid points because to be humble about it i'm just an artist you know i i research and just like anybody else research changes over time and i encourage the fact that anybody who wants to use the films for whatever they choose to do it because it's art you know i in a lot of ways was debunking a lot of other people's research with my films it i would definitely be a hypocrite if I were to say anything different for people in the future. And as far as credit goes, you know, chances are 50% of the people that have seen my films don't even know the name Ben Stewart. They just saw the film and they were like, oh, cool. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it's completely understandable that they're like, oh, what's that? What's that one film, you know, Climactica or something like that? Let's use a clip from that film and put it in this because he explains it in a way that I dig. Let me just put it in my film. And I like that. You know why? Because it shows that they actually were listening and they appreciated it, but not that they were just following whatever I was saying. They realized how they could use my words in their art for their own message. So it's the same way you, you listen to hip hop artists and they'll, you know, I'm, I'm trying to think of uh, sample, a, a specific, yeah, sampling, you know, Tupac did it all the time. You know, uh, or even DJs. DJs do it like a DJ. Exactly. DJ Shadow, Bismarck, he, he got in trouble for it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because um, what was that one song Bismarck he did? It was so uh, funny. You got what I need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was, and that, that was excellent. That was a sweet video, but then he had one. Um, he had another. He had another album where he made fun of this German guy, and even the picture of the album was like him spoofing the guy taking a picture, and it was just so funny. It was right after, I think it was. Uh, I forget the name of the album. It was pretty good though. Sorry. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know that uh, the BB King, BB uh, King song. Um, 
that uh, I've been downhearted, baby, ever since the day we met. Yeah. There was a band in the 90s that took that. And that was the first time I'd ever heard that clip. I and, didn't realize that was from B.B. King. Oh, yeah. the Oh, that's one of B.B. King's best songs, too. Interesting, man. Yeah, because that's, yeah. uh, that's the only song that band had. Uh, that I remember. That's the only song that that band takes off from Baltimore and touches down on Bourbon Street. Yeah, I don't I don't know the name of the song, but uh, yeah, the, they used the the BB King song. What was it? Uh, How blue can you get? That's what it was called. And if you listen to live in Cook County Jail, BB King, when he plays that song, if you want to talk about being in the moment and tapping into the moment, he was playing at a at a jailhouse in front of people and he just blew the crowd away it was incredible but uh i guess to get back to the point yeah i mean that was that band from the 90s took a bb king song and was like you know what nobody can say those words like bb king anybody can say those words but nobody can say it like bb king can say it so i'm just gonna sample that and put it in my song and that's taking other people's art and using it and you know to me isn't that how all science works isn't that how all art works isn't that how all language comes about it's built not you know from scratch it's built from you know on the shoulders of giants we're taking ideas from other people and in a sense that's all that my films peter joseph's films dylan avery's films everybody who's ever done a documentary you're taking other people's work other people's research and congealing it coagulating it uh, synthesizing it turning it into your own message and then giving it again and then as soon as you give it up it's the same thing you know food goes turns into compost compost turns back into food you know so this is kind of the wheel of life it would be it would be really egotistical for anybody to say no you can't use my ideas and turn them into new ideas you know i need credit for that who needs credit the ego needs credit yeah so so yeah no I, I I definitely know what you mean, but i I find it fascinating to see how people use the clips from my films and from other people's films as well, so I prefer they you know I think it's actually funny when they don't even know where the clip came from, you know because I've had people sending me clips of my own film and be like, "Dude, this sounds like it's right in line with your message, dude, check it out and and I just have to laugh That's I, awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> that has to be like one of the greatest compliments. Dude, this this sounds some, like something you would say. Yeah, man. You do this film, Kinematica, that's right up your alley, man. You know, you'd like it. So I'm like, sure, I'll check it out. The uh, Real quick, Primitive Radio Gods, and the song is Standing Outside a Broken Booth with Money in My Hand. That's kind of like the Pearl Jam song, Elderly Woman and a... And it's, <laughs> it's a yeah. great song, but it's just like too long of a title. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's Even pretty. Radio gods, I forgot about them. Yeah, yeah, I don't, that's the only song I know of theirs. I should see if they're on uh, Spotify. Are you guys? Um, I actually had a question about that. Are you guys planning on getting on uh, distributing through Spotify at all? Or our last album is completely free on Spotify. Is right it now. really? Yeah. Because I I checked I, for you before and I couldn't find you. It was like a. It's probably a while ago, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it depends. We we were on Spotify fairly soon, fairly soon after they started that whole thing. Um, or I just spelled the name of your band wrong. Which maybe is probably more likely. H i e r o s o n i c. Yeah, it's definitely. We didn't uh, we didn't think of how difficult it would be for people to like a know what that word meant and b how to pronounce it correctly and spell it correctly. So. 
Oh yeah, um, it's yeah. <laughs> well, never, Sonic. Never mind, Ben. I feel feel. Uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad you educated me with that. Um, <laughs> what does Hyrosonic mean? Uh, hyro, like as in hieroglyphics, stands for sacred. Um, and sonic is vibration, noise, or sound. So it's kind of the same thing that chimatica means. You know, chimatica is a Greek term for cymatics, which is the science of sound and matter. Um, so in a very loose way, um, you know, because chimatica is not just talking about sound and matter. They're talking about everything in creation, uh, you know, that seems to be expressed in sound and matter. So hierosonic, like hieroglyphics is sacred writing. So hierosonic is sacred vibration, sacred noise, sacred sound. That's pretty cool. That's really yeah. cool. Um, so how did uh, how did you end up um connecting with uh with rob in the Paget family that was uh the very first talk i ever gave was the summer solstice of 2008 so the film had come out um you know maybe six months prior to that and a bunch of people um i guess were sharing the video all all, all over google videos and youtube maybe by that time and all of a sudden, this uh, girl, Taz Janine from Toronto, she's studying Heilkunst and uh, anthroposophy. So Heilkunst is um, a form of homeopathy that Rudolf Steiner kind of uh, had his hand in a little bit. Um, I don't know if I'm getting that right correctly, but to, to go on with the story, she was really deep into one practice, which had a little bit to do with my film. And then she had connected with Rob's wife because she had gone to school for Heilkunst and Rob's wife was going to school for Heilkunst as well. And so that was how they connected. And that was actually Rob's wife through school had found out about the natural person and artificial person and all that stuff. And Rob had no idea about it. As soon as she came home from school talking about it, Rob started researching it and really going deep, deep, deep into it. So then all of a sudden, Taz connected me and Rob by saying, you know, hey, I want to do a talk up um, in Toronto on the summer solstice of 2008. Will you come? And I was like, OK, that'll be my first talk. And she was like, that's fine. It'll be mine and Rob's first talk. So we get together and there was maybe 15, 20 people there at the talk. And uh, but it was just the perfect group of people. And we that gave me plenty of time to connect with Taz and to connect with Rob. And as soon as I met Rob, I recognized that he was living everything that I was talking about in my films. So I recognized that I was like, OK, instead of just constantly talking about these things, why not just show a living example of it? So I asked Rob if he would like for me to do a film on him. And he said, yeah. And then six months later, after we started working on it, he was like, no, no, I don't know if I want to do this anymore. And then I was like, OK, well, I'm going to keep working on the film and you just you just tell me, you know, I'll, I'll keep working on it until it's finished and I'll show you the finished product. And if then you still don't want to do it, um, then we don't have to release it. And so a week later, he came back and was like, you know what, Ben, you know, I can't keep running away from this. He was like, let's do this. And I was like, OK. So I kept working on it. Four months later, he was like, Ben, I don't know about this anymore. I was like, OK. Well, I'm going to keep working on the film until it's done. And we went through this a couple times. And eventually, uh, 
the film was done. I showed it to him and he was like, let's do this. So we that was the third one. Actually, I started that uh, brings up a good point. I started working on Ungrip before I started working on Chimatica. Interesting. Yeah, I had no idea. I I didn't even remember that until I just started telling that story because I hadn't started working on Chimatica. Let's see, that was 2008. It was right around the same time, actually. Um, I didn't start working on Chimatica until right around the time that I had met Rob because that was – I released Chimatica in January of 2009, and it took me six months to do Chimatica from start to finish. So, yeah, it was right around the same time, I guess, that I started on Grip and Chimatica. That's 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 interesting, man. I, when I talked to Rob, I mean, that was uh, I was super nervous to talk to him. And then uh, after after talking to Rob, like Rob was just like he just kind of like reiterated things that I already knew. And it just like and it's just kind of like shaking me up in a good way. And, uh, and I told him, like, yeah, I was sorry. You know, next time I won't be as nervous. And he goes, you know, there's there's no reason to be nervous. He said, you know, a lot of people want to like make me into a hero. But in reality, you need to be your own hero. And I was like, man, he's just so right. Like he just uh, he's just such an inspirational guy. Yeah, it's it's impossible to be around him without having a reality check. That's the cool thing about him. You know, I was just up there a few weeks ago um, visiting just, you know, I did one talk while I was up there. But uh, um, the main intent was actually just to go up there and visit a friend. And, you know, we we. Worked on his garden, you know, planted uh, some potatoes, uh, you know, worked with his his chickens and goats and pigs and stuff like that. And it was really good to connect with him again. But I recognized this time around that no matter what, anytime I'm around him, I start processing a lot of like deep psychological stuff because he, he's not confrontational at all. Um, it's just his very nature is very present that you want to be more truthful because you're around somebody that's so steeped in his own truth. Um, it was very beautiful. I started basically processing a lot of crap that I've been going through just by being in his presence. And, you know, he wasn't pushing me into it at all. He was there to talk about it, but he was also there just to light a campfire and sit around and talk about nothing. So there's, there's something very, um, ancestral about him you know it feels like he you know he's got some ancestors ancient ancestors blood in him yeah now that makes perfect sense like he uh yeah i just really enjoyed talking to him like it uh i think talking to him and uh i don't know if you know who jan irvin is but i i talked to jan irvin too and just talk- i know jan irvin yeah yeah like talking to those two guys are just like kind of like uh they they're very different with their self-respect but it's like when a person has like that level of self-respect and they are living their life on in their own purpose you know what i mean like they know they're they're pursuing their own purpose in a sense if that makes sense for sure and it's uh it's just something that i have to respect and uh but like with rob like it, it like just the way he said like he has his own uh i forget how he he, he said it like he has his own um like he has his own law firm or law form or something that he chooses to live by and it and just kind of like reiterated to me like having your own principles and having your own philosophy is just so important for you to pursue anything in life and um and 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 the same with you as well like i i think it's 
like you you go your day to day life is on your terms in in a sense and and your band's terms but does that make sense no sure i mean i will say this um you know you, you kind of touched upon it with uh with rob where he has his own you could say he has his own law f- uh form and the way he lives his life is based upon his own principles yeah he he would say well i just live by the creator he he would say like whatever you want to call it he was like, I feel that it's not me running this vessel. It's something much greater, and it's deeply, intimately tied with everything else, and that's the law that I live by. And I'm not trying to put words in his mouth. He would probably say it much uh, more beautifully and poetically, um, but what I could say is the reason why I resonate with that is because I may not use the same terminology that he does, but I live by the moment, and I feel that when he is in touch with the creator, as he says, he's in touch with the moment because the moment is where, if, you know, if God were to be real in any respect, which I believe that there is, there is an underlying intelligence behind everything. Um, but to say, you know, when and where would you actually be in touch with it? Not tomorrow, not yesterday, because those are manufactured ideas. So we are in touch with whatever that may be here and now in the moment i find mine through art because when i'm with the band you know it's in the moment it's spontaneous things just happen and then i started realizing 10 years into the band that that's how all life is you know you listen to the rhythms you listen to the cycles um and they they can teach you quite a bit but the bottom line is is your your core being, every action, every choice that you make in your in your day to day life is going to um, say no to one aspect of your life and say yes to a completely other, and that's beautiful. It's like every single choice you make is like there's a fork in the road. Go left or right. Okay, I'll do that. You know, so that's that's kind of what I do. Is I I've come to recognize that I'm not here serving the planet. I'm not here serving other people. I'm not here serving myself or serving God. I'm here playing on a playground. And I understand that when I fall and I slip, I can get up and I can brush myself off. If I feel like I was here as, you know, in this life in a form of servitude, then I would feel like I'm not serving it correctly when I fall over or when I trip up or when I say the wrong thing. But when I look at it, and this is, you know, I can't take credit for this. Jim Morrison said that. He was like, if we looked at life less as a form of servitude and more as a form of play, if we looked at the world that we live in less as a prison yard and more as a playground, then maybe there wouldn't be as much war. Maybe there wouldn't be as much misunderstanding. How much misunderstanding do you see on the playground when kids are playing? You see a little bit. And I will admit that you definitely see a little bit, but most of the time, if the main objective is get out there, experience life, live life to the fullest, have fun, you're not looking to fight with other people. You're not looking to push your objective on other people. What you're looking to do is live your life and love it to the fullest extent that you possibly can. And I don't believe that um, a deep inherent pleasure is gained from harming other people, destroying the planet, and waging war. I believe that people's egos are eased a little bit by you know, manipulating other people and by forcing their will upon others. 
but deep satisfaction. I don't believe you find any of that from forcing your will upon others. So the only thing that I could say about my life is I don't have any of it figured out whatsoever. <laughs> I get more confused day by day by day. But the one thing that I can set my watch by is if I get up every single day and I give it my best and I go to bed at night and I wipe my slate clean and I just remember that I'm not here um, serving anything. I'm not here. I don't have to do anything. There's no should. Uh, the word should doesn't really apply to my life. I just get up and I do it. If I don't do it correctly, that's exactly how I was supposed to do it. Maybe I was supposed to make that mistake. So it's it's a very simple philosophy to live by, and I will say that it has relieved 99.9% of all of my stress in life. That's awesome to hear, man. That's uh, that's that's super. That's that's a good way to live, man. It really, it really is. What like how much of uh, how how much? Because I know you you've had um, because I've heard you talk about, and I even asked you about because when uh when I first became uh gamefully unemployed, I uh I wanted to make a trip to to try ayahuasca or for the for the experience. But I, I've heard you on Adam vs. the Man say you've tried other psychedelics. How much has like psychedelics and your experience with those had an effect on picking a philosophy, if that makes sense? Um, well, I would have to say that uh, – I'll have to say it this way. Um, psychedelics have played shamanic uh, plants, I should say, because yes. I, I mean – Psychedelics, there maybe isn't a big difference as far as there is um, a verbal cultural difference. When people hear psychedelics, their mind goes to one place, and when they hear shamanic plants, they hear they their mind may go somewhere else that's a bit more sacred. For me, um, it's always been about play and exploration. So whenever I you know I started taking LSD at a very early age and then, you know, went on to mushrooms, then it went on to DMT, then it went on to ayahuasca, salvia, um, you know, and then just kind of snowballed from there. But the one, the biggest thing I could say to answer your question is when I stopped doing it recreationally, that was a big turning point in my life when I started recognizing that there was something very sacred about it. And that doesn't have to mean very solemn and very rigid and religious. You know, when I say sacred, it just means that I recognize there's so much more to what I'm experiencing right now than I allow that I have allowed myself to recognize. This isn't just me getting wasted and, uh, you know, stumbling around and looking at trippy visuals. This is me actually exploring the deep recesses of my own mind. And that was an incredible turning point in my life. So when it comes to how it shaped my philosophy, the most that I could say is that it destroyed my philosophy that I had had previously to that. And the only way that I could explain my philosophy previously to that is, oh my God, I have to or else. You know, that was a philosophy like I have to get a job or else I have to please these people or else I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to have enough money by the time I'm 55 or else I can't retire. And then what am I going to do when I'm old? Nobody's going to take care of me and I'm going to die hungry, cold, alone, you know, like sleeping in a cardboard box, all these fears. And then as soon as I really recognize the sacred nature of, let's say, ayahuasca, for instance, when I recognized what it was it was showing me, 
I realized that there there's only one place where abundance does not exist, and that is in the mind of a fearful fearful person. And it absolutely changed my life. And those words were spoken to me by the plant, by ayahuasca. And yeah, as I can say, you know, it it destroyed my philosophies. So every philosophy I lived by up to that point, it completely obliterated it. And the a new philosophy emerged, and that was a little bit more of what I was getting into right before this conversation on shamanic plants, which is just live. You know, there's there's no no manual, nothing saying that you have to do this, you have to do that. You'll learn. You know, there are ways that the universe works. Don't listen to other people, though. Experience it. Live it. Maybe take some advice. Be cautious, but dare to go there, you know, like wherever it is. If religion told you not to, don't just not do it because religion told you not to. If your parents told you not to, don't say, no, I'm not going to do it just because my parents told me not to. Have a good reason, not just a reason because other people told you not to. And that's really what my philosophy turned into. I can't give 100% to psychedelics and I can't give 100% to shamanic drugs. Um, but I can say that they have really shaped my life quite a bit. I've been taking them and I've been taking them since I was 15. That's pretty intense. Yeah, I, I, I've had a few experiences myself. I, uh, But I know I definitely wouldn't have started this podcast had I not – uh, treated mushrooms with a certain amount of respect to, you know, fast before and make sure that I wanted to have an experience when I went into it. And I, and I think like, and I've, and I've tried it, I tried it another time around people who didn't necessarily, weren't necessarily treating them with respect and they were just trying to alter their state of mind just to not deal with their problems. But I think, I think it, I think you're right when you said shamanic because it's 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 going in it with uh like you have to respect what what the plants can teach you and um so yeah that's awesome to hear um but I tell you what Ben we are close to an hour we can start doing some uh shameless self promotion if you want <laughs> sure let's do it um well number 1 I would say anybody that's listening Go to Hanged Man Project. I think it's – yeah, it's hangedmanproject.com. I had it pulled up here. Hanged as in past tense. So H-A-N-G-E-D-M-A-N-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.com. And uh, you can check out all Ben's documentaries. If you haven't seen them yet, you definitely need to. Um, it's – they're just – I think they're all really well done and, and just like what Ben was alluding to earlier – um, as soon as you start watching, uh, definitely both Esoteric Agenda and Comatica. I'm sure anybody who hasn't seen them has seen lots of pieces of your movies and not realized it. Um, also, go ahead, purchase his albums. Um, and if you go to hyrosonic.com, um, I believe – do you guys you guys have a link on here to purchase your music, don't you, or not really? Um, yeah, we should on the hyrosonic.com. We also have a Facebook page, so if you go to facebook.com backslash Hyrosonic, um, I believe you can also get to the album from there as well. Um, but I would encourage everybody to hit the Facebook page anyway, and if you like what you hear, click the like button, email us, uh, you know, message us on Facebook because we do respond to everybody. Also, uh, they are also on Twitter, and that's uh, at Hyrosonic. Um, 
And uh, what else, Ben? Anything else coming up? Do you have any talks coming up around? Uh, I've been meaning to try to get to one of your talks. It's just I've never been had a chance to. But uh, um, any talks coming up in the future? Well, um, I think it should be this month, actually, the 19th to the 20th. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be speaking in Dallas. So we actually haven't even worked on the flyer just yet. The band's going to be playing two shows out there. And on the date of the second show, I'm actually doing a talk and then going straight and playing straight to the show and playing. So um, that's that should be the 19th and the 20th of this month of July out in Dallas, Texas. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for uh, coming on and joining me on the, the third episode of School of Thought as part of the Sample Hour. Uh, also, uh, just want to say, everybody, we are a member of the Inspired Disorder Collective. If you go to www.inspireddisordercollective.com, you can check out all the other great podcasts that are on there. Also, while you're at it, follow me on Twitter. I'm at Drew Sample. Follow at The Sample Hour. Follow at Ray Taylor and follow at IDC underscore updates and thanks for tuning in guys and uh we'll probably close i'll we'll probably close it out with the hero hierosonic song any 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 song you want to close it out with in particular ben uh why not infinity that's the one we're going to be doing a music video on awesome awesome we'll go ahead and close it out also go to indiegogo and donate some money so all right guys thanks a lot Things better, there's nothing to worry about. The clock works to the letter, and the heart may erase it, but the soul remembers everything. I know you feel all alone, I've felt the same forever. We can feel the same all alone, or we can feel the same together. I will love you to infinity. 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 Yeah.